And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after. Welcome to. So tell me why you anything is potable. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, El Nino Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King. Ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to you the day after the Celtics take a commanding 2-0 lead over the Atlanta Hawks in their opening round series of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Jay, I personally did not go back and watch game tape of game two. I had other things to do uh, during the day, but I know that's your common practice is to go back and rewatch the game. And so under the assumption that you did, what stood out in that rewatch? Joe Mazzula was just so fired up after <laughs> Al Horford and Robert Williams <laughs> engulfed John Collins. That was... <laughs> Just just a great moment. He was like just running along the sideline and then kind of pumped both of his fists at the same time or did like some little flex flex celebration. You don't always see that out of Joe. You know he's a fiery guy. He's like as competitive as competitive gets, an utter maniac competitively. But it's not often when he just kind of lets himself go like that. So I enjoyed that. And that was probably the most meaningful thing. That was it. From... There's no X's and O's, no like everything like, oh, wow, the Celtics really did a good job of this. Not really. <laughs> like it's, it's everything that seems pretty obvious. Um, they just have not had any troubles getting to the rim. The, the one thing that I probably didn't appreciate in in real time was and I knew he was really important but just how like consistent Derek White was to just fend off the Celtics um fend off the Celtics I mean fend off the Hawks like when they when they got to eight it was just basically Derek White and only Derek White and he was <laughs> he was just like kind of looking off Jason Tatum and just just doing his own thing like not not looking him off because it wasn't like Tatum was wide open or anything but they were running sets where he could have passed the ball to Jason Tatum and instead Derek White was just kind of like I got this guys which is kind of a new mentality for him obviously it's a really good matchup for him um when Trey Young guards him that's like that's pretty cool probably to get <laughs> pretty, guarded pretty by Trey Young in a, in a playoff <laughs> series but but it just Rewatching some of those possessions, um, just the 
the confidence and, and obviously his confidence is something that's been booming this season. He, he's in a much different place than he was this time a year ago. But like the one play after the Hawks cut it to eight where Tatum was like trying to get free at the top of the key and Derek White ran a, a screen and roll. I think it was with Malcolm Brogdon on the other side. And I think it was just like like the the main objective of that play most of the time would probably be just get Jason Tatum in the ball. And Derek White with 10 seconds on the shot clock just pulled up from 30 because the Hawks switch wasn't perfect. It wasn't like it was a some easy shot that he stepped into. It was like, no, <laughs> DeJounte Murray is just a little too far back and I'm going to punish him for it. In this key moment where the Hawks are somewhat threatening, Derek White was just awesome. And that's so huge because how many offensive possessions I feel like we've watched the Celtics waste in in just like if a team's really fronting Tatum or really trying to make it difficult to get Tatum the basketball. feels like all over the last two seasons, there's a lot of possessions where it's just like, uh, okay, for the first 15 seconds, we're going to try and get Tatum the ball and then he's going to catch the ball 25 feet from the basket and just not really have uh, the best possession. If that immediate first look to Tatum is not working, just the ability to have a guy like White or Brogdon or Jalen Brown just get into other offense, I think is, is definitely key for the Celtics. Uh, I want to encourage anyone here on the live room right now. You've already heard uh, our takes immediately following the game last night. You heard me basically cough up a, a lung while trying to recount what happened in that basketball game. If you guys have questions, if you guys have observations, please raise your hand in the live room. Guess we'll who's got to, one already? I would guess it's Joshua B without even looking at it. Um, but It I is mean, certainly Joshua B, and he is coming up to the stage right now. Josh. How Josh, you guys welcome. doing today? Doing great. How are you? I, I just want to say, I want to petition the NBA to let us play all 82 games against the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> we don't need to travel. We'll, we'll even go to Atlanta. You you only have to give us 41 home games against the Atlanta Hawks, 41 games, because I've never been this relaxed, at ease, unwound, watching the playoffs in my entire life. This has been incredible. It's just been such a wonderful joyous experience to have our coronation against the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> it's just been wonderful. I do have questions for you, but they mostly concern the second round of the playoffs. Um, and so I'd like to start by asking, why is um, Philadelphia going to be any different than Atlanta? I mean, I guess the answer would be Joel Embiid, but this idea that like, we're gonna we're like we're gonna get out rebounded when Al Horford and Robert Williams are playing the kind of defense that they're playing. There, there have been times where it literally looks like they're canopying de like defenders down beneath the or offensive players down by the rim. They've got their arms stretched out. Like it looks like two trees like making a canopy in the rainforest. They're just they're freaking incredible right now. Why is it gonna be any different against Philadelphia? Is it just the magic of Joel Embiid? Or is there more to it? And, and I have more questions. But Did you write down the canopy line? That was a good one. No, I've just been watching the game. <laughs> it seems like every time they stretch their arms out together, it happens at least twice a game. Where Al Horford is on one side, Robert Williams is on the other of the defender. You've got a picture in the athletic of them like spread out. And like it just looks like a canopy. It looks like a canopy in the rainforest. That's what I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, they uh So let let's talk about the Philly series because we all know it's coming. It's it's so early to start previewing the the Philly series, but like it's it's time. I've seen enough of Atlanta to know that the Celtics are not losing four games to this team. I've seen enough of Brooklyn to know that Philly is not losing four games to that team. Um from the Celtics perspective, like going at James Harden and Tyrese Maxey is going to be really important. How they are able to attack those guys, how they are able to beat those guys offensively, and whether they can do it in a way that either keeps Joel Embiid out of the action or brings him into the action so that they, then they can find Al Horford for three or whatever the case may be that to me is going to be a huge huge part of the series how, how can they punish those guys for not being the greatest defenders yeah I mean the Joel Embiid is a great rim deterrent compared to whatever the Atlanta Hawks are throwing out there and so it's going well, o- to be Okongwu and Capella are decent at that but it's just like when they decide to step over and help, like I feel like Joel Embiid make, takes some pride in protecting the rim, which feels like the Hawks have not done any of that whatsoever. Yeah, no, I, and and it, it's probably partly scheme, um, but yeah, the the Hawks have not done a good job at all protecting the rim. It's been disgusting with that well, I feel like the, the with the exception of that incredible Okongwu block which yes. was just masterful but I mean, it feels he, like he this... met Derek White at the rim when Derek White had had huge plans oh yeah Derek White was getting homicidal there and Okongwu was not having it but it feels like the Celtics haven't even really had to make multiple efforts on offense like drive and kick drive and kick to break down the Hawks defense if you're going to beat the Sixers which I think the Celtics are plenty capable of doing. You either need to drive, engage, and beat, and get the the Sixers defense and rotation and kick it around, or engage and beat with like a high pick and roll. I think Al Horford's shooting becomes a lot more important. I think Grant Williams becomes a lot more important in that series. Um, I just don't think the the Seventy Sixers defense is nearly as putrid as the Atlanta Hawks is, and thus offensive execution and especially shooting from deep just becomes that much more important for the Celtics because while they do have the limited, I guess, perimeter defenders in Harden, in Maxi, like Joel Embiid's still lurking back there and it's not just going to be a easy walk to, to the rim. And they have Tucker, been. they have Melton, they have guys with size. They They're have... a competent basketball team. I'll say it. <laughs> yeah. They are a confident basketball team. They finished eighth in defensive rating this season, which is just miles and miles ahead of Atlanta. Atlanta really is. I mean, this is so disrespectful to be talking about the Philadelphia series. Well, Trey mid- Young midway through it, the first round, but after game two, Trey Young's like, "Yeah, I know I sucked, but I'm not concerned." I was like, "Well, either you just don't care about getting swept from the playoffs, or you should be concerned." Everything about the first two games, if I was Trey Young, would register as concern for me. And he was just wearing a very bizarre green outfit, and it was just like completely unfazed by him playing two like poor basketball games. Yeah, and, and well, in his defense, and 
I don't know why I'm defending Trey Young at this. I don't know series. why you're using uh, the word defense and Trey Young in the same sentence. <laughs> but like that's how you become a star basketball player is by not being worried about stuff like that. By being able to move on and trust in yourself no matter what happens. Uh, that being said, his last seven playoff games are concerning. Um, not concerning to the Celtics, though, who have had no real issues stopping him or guarding him or going at him. Uh, we got another question, though. We got we got one from from Ryan, who is coming up to the stage at this moment. Um, Ryan, what you got for us, my man? Hey, you guys got me? Yes, sir. It's hard to follow up uh, the legend Joshua B, but I'll do my best. I, I believe in you. Apologies if you guys already talked about this, but can we get some talk about the Hawks account uh, that before the series said they had three better starters and an equal bench? Um, I would love to just touch on that delusion. Wh- which account was that from? He was he logged on. It was like Hawks fan TV, and he was saying like Capella is better than Horford, and he said. Uh, Dejounte is better than Derek White, which is I don't know. Yeah. Uh. So they said who's better than Horford? Capella. So they said Capella's better than Horford. Dejounte is better than Derek White, <laughs> and the then Hawks had, bench uh, is better than the Boston bench. The same level bench, and then they said Trey. <laughs> is three times they put three greater signs uh, over Mark Smart, and then one greater sign for Tatum over Hunter. And uh, I, I found, found the tweet, tweet from, from April thirteenth. It's Trey, a great you, tweet. You went hunting real quick. Let, let's hear it. Trey three greater signs than Marcus Smart. Dejounte one greater sign than Derek White. They concede that Jalen Brown's better than Hunter, and that Tatum is better than Collins. <laughs> They then say Capella is better than Horford. Bench equal. Coaching the Hawks are better than the Celtics. Experience Celtics uh, over Hawks. And then with a thinking emoji, which is probably the creme de la creme to really like, <laughs> yeah, that really figure this it thing up. out. Uh, I love that. That's just some wild fan homerism. That's outrageous. He has 547 replies, 872 uh retweets or quote tweets he's getting fully ratioed oh nearly up to a million views uh that's fantastic stuff from hawks fan tv that is good stuff and i would say the biggest problem for the hawks in this series besides being a a wildly worse basketball team is that their backcourt has not been better than boston's like Derek white has been the best guard in this series marcus smart has been consistently good and Trey Young has done nothing of substance. Like he put up decent stats, I guess, in game two, but like that nothing about his play so far has been impactful, controlling a game, creating good offense for the Hawks. Is like he just hasn't been good. And they need him to be three greater signs better than Marcus Smart, and he just hasn't been. Yeah, I mean, I just don't, 
I said it after game one. I just don't see how they, uh, what the adjustment is other than Trey Young being three greater signs. And right now he's been less than signs, I would say. Uh, <laughs> well, I appreciate Ryan bringing our attention to that ridiculous tweet. Yeah, I, I hadn't seen that that tweet yet. So, but here we are, Hawks fan TV, making an anything as potable appearance. You never know what you're going to talk about on the podcast sometimes. Uh, some would say anything's potable uh, in that context. Um, but they, uh, thanks for the question, Ryan. Let's go to Doc W now. Doc, thanks for joining us here on Anything is Potable. At least I thought I pressed the button. Nope, there you are. How's it going, Doc? What's up, Doc? Yeah. <laughs> Anything. Can you hear me? <laughs> yes, yes sir. Go. Okay, sorry about that, guys. You know, I, every first of all, love your show. Been Thank you very much. For years, so this is great. You know, uh, with all this news and everyone just, there's no hope for the Hawks. I wanted to draw your attention to something maybe more important. Um, what are your thoughts on Jan, Jan Madar this season? What's going on over there? <laughs> Ooh. This, this might be even more disrespectful than previewing the Philadelphia 76ers series. No, in the I, I want a Yamadar update, and I want a Becheron update. Uh, please, Jay, fill us in on what's going on in Israel and France. Uh, those guys did not have dominant years, is how I would put it. Uh, other than that, like I don't really expect Yamadar to be a contributor to the Celtics at any time soon. He did play for Partisan over in the EuroLeague. He averaged That's a hilarious name for a team. We're Partisan. He averaged about 6 points and 2 assists per game. Ooh, um the old 6 and 2. That's classic yum. He shot pretty well from 3-point range, but nothing about it screams that he'll be ready for the NBA soon, probably. Uh, Begarone, to me at least, and this is not like sourced from any important, um, like this is not from scouts or anything like that. I just think he's a more intriguing prospect because he's super athletic and, and can really get to the rim. Uh, he clearly has a lot of things to kind of work on, but the instincts and the athleticism and the the physique are all there. So Begarone is, I think, the one to put put your chips in the Begarone basket, or your eggs in the Begarone okay. basket, rather. Yeah, you're, but you're you're mispronouncing his name is Begarone. Um, I just think that's important <laughs> before he comes over that you kind of master that as a reporter. There you go. There you go. Just, just what you said. I'm glad we got to the Becheron uh, minute of this episode. I, of anything I love that. That that was fantastic. This is where Celtics uh, fans are in the middle of a playoff series right now. I mean, with there's no yeah, pretty much no reason not to uh, be at this place just because the Hawks have not given any reason to to indicate that they're going to win the basketball game. Is there any concern that the Celtics treat Game Three? Like maybe they treated a that random game in Houston, or uh, sometimes when they don't respect their opponents, they basically don't show up for the game. Is there any concern that like the Celtics 
have a there's a gentleman sweep in this game, or do you think they're they're so locked in that that would be even that would be embarrassing? I I mean, there's always that concern. Think back to was it two years ago? How many years ago was that? That was so so recently when the Celtics went 36 and 36, had to get out of the playing tournament, and then met the Nets when the Nets were at full strength with Durant, Harden, and Kyrie. And Tatum went for 50. Like that was the biggest mismatch in world history, those two teams. It was like Romeo Langford and Jabari Parker guarding Kevin Durant and James Harden. And Tatum went for 50 and got a win for the Celtics when they went back home for game three. So something like that is at least mildly feasible. Like Trey Young could have a big game. Trey Young is certainly capable of having a big game. He hasn't yet in this series. He hasn't in a while in the playoffs, but it wouldn't be surprising if the Celtics do take their foot off the pedal a little bit if Young just damages them. And if he gets going, if that offense gets going, they can be tough to stop. But you you know how that Atlanta crowd goes, like when when they all show up to their half capacity arena and then they play the music really loud that like that's that strikes fear in the opponents uh, coming into play in Atlanta. (laughs) Was that just a totally unprovoked shot at the entire Hawks fan base? I mean, it's not unprovoked. It's not like they've been showing up to games for the past 10 years. They just, they they were terrible fan base when they had a 60-win team, and like the, all five of their starters were all-stars. Like The Hawks have never had a good fan base. I will say this. I learned this from uh, Trill Withers. There used to be a guy, maybe he still exists, who will just uh, sell you a turtle outside a Hawks game. So if there's any Celtics fans down in Atlanta looking to buy a turtle, uh, look out for the turtle guy because he might be walking around the streets of Atlanta. And so you might have an opportunity to buy a turtle. Maybe you mix that turtle with some ooze, some sludge. Uh, you turn into a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and then you get a Celtics win and a Ninja Turtle. That'd be a cool uh, combination. That was a very poor joke, though. I got nothing else, Jay. I can't believe we're still <laughs> podcasting about this series. What about um, Draymond Green's suspension? That, we talk yeah, about if Draymond anyone else Green's wants suspension? to make make a comment or question, feel free to raise your hand. Otherwise, I'm going to give the floor to Jay King to rant and rave about Draymond Green getting suspended for Game 3 of the Warriors-King series. I'm not going to rant and rave, but I do want to just discuss my viewpoint on this because people have been berating me on Twitter. Like I've I've never gotten the type of hate on Twitter that I've gotten just for my belief that Draymond Green should not have been ejected or suspended over his stomp or step, whatever you want to call it, on DeMontis Sabonis. Um, I was shocked that they suspended him. Obviously, there's a long history there with Draymond. Uh, flirting with the line, crossing over the line, uh, doing dangerous stuff while on a basketball court. In this case, I thought, first of all, like when you get your ankle held on a basketball court, your initial objective is to get your foot out of there. And in this case, go 
and try to score on offense. It was a huge fourth quarter possession. And so if you're getting your ankle held, like you are going to try to get out of it. And if he had tried to run, I think he probably would have fallen. Like you can Monday morning quarterback it and say he could have like just tried to step somewhere else. But in the moment, you're just like trying to get out of it. Now, that said, did the stop have something extra on it? Yes, of course. That was hard. It was unnecessary. It was certainly worthy of a flagrant foul. I did not think it should have been a flagrant two because typically I always err on the side of let's leave the best basketball players on the court in key moments. And especially in this case, which was started by Sabonis wrapping his arms around Draymond's ankle. It just felt like overkill and rewarding the guy who grabbed someone else's ankle to toss Draymond Green out of the game. Um, Now, Jay, I think you're being a little... uh wishy-washy with the facts here uh, because clearly it wasn't just for the stomp. It was for while Adam Silver's in the crowd, while the play is being reviewed. Yeah, the suspension. While the play is being reviewed, Draymond Green, like given his lengthy history with crossing the line, Actively getting in yelling matches with the Kings crowd, and I, I'm no expert lip reader, but I believe he was calling them pussies, uh, basically just screaming in their face. Um, I think we're we, the you have to analyze the suspension within the totality of the circumstances. Where if this is any other player, uh, it likely would not happen. With that being said. I agree. I don't think he should have been ejected, and I don't think there like should be a suspension. But at some point, there's like enough fuck around and find out. And Draymond Green has to have the self awareness of knowing he's Draymond Green, and he gets things called differently, and he's treated as a different player. To not after he in like throws a little something extra on a good old fashioned stomp to basically then. Uh, get in a screaming match with the crowd and like act like he had done absolutely nothing wrong. And so I disagree with the the basically decision to suspend him and to eject him. But I, uh, on top of that, I'm just like not surprised when repeat offender does the thing and then doesn't appear to like change his behavior whatsoever. I'm not surprised when the league reacts the way they did. Uh, yeah, but but to me. It's kind of, it seems out of line with the way the NBA has decided or ruled in these circumstances, similar circumstances throughout Draymond's entire time in the NBA. And and I'm not just talking about with Draymond Green. I'm talking about other situations. Uh, in the for the most part, like if you get ejected from a game, that is considered part of your suspension like he got ejected from the fourth quarter of a close game his team went on to lose that game largely because he wasn't out on the court that was a huge factor the kings basically scored every single time after that happened 
So he's already been punished in a huge, huge way to put his team down to nothing. Um, and if if you if you're suspending him partly because of screaming at the crowd, like that doesn't do a lot to me either. Like Russell Westbrook has a long history of screaming at fans. He literally was in a lounge the other day, like yelling at a fan. And he didn't didn't stomp on anyone. Of course he didn't stop on anyone. So it's very different. But I'm just saying, like, like screaming into the crowd has nobody's ever gotten suspended for just screaming into the crowd without going into the crowd. Yeah, but you can isolate each of the acts and be like, that individually is it fine. And now you have me basically arguing like I'm a prosecutor over here, and it's made me entirely uncomfortable uh, arguing just for more and greater punishment. I don't agree with it. It doesn't make sense. It it really, and I guess the idea is like Draymond Green is a special offender and needs to be treated with like more enhancements because like this will deter him from actions in the uh, moving forward. I don't think it will. Clearly uh, past suspensions have not deterred Draymond Green from being Draymond Green. I think it's just, I really think it was like Adam Silver was in the building and was like personally felt some embarrassment for the league, and that's what went into the decision. I I honestly believe that Adam Silver wasn't in the crowd. Draymond Green doesn't get suspended. But that's that's, that's stupid. Be, I agree. That, that is should entirely be backward. Stupid. Like that should have no weight in the discussion of whether to suspend him. It should be based on the action. It's almost like the the justice system, both in the NBA and in the United States, is entirely arbitrary where people have entirely too much discretion and wield power uh that they shouldn't have (laughs) i mean uh i don't know about the uh the link there but in this case and i i i strongly lean toward just letting the best players be on the court and honestly like you're a prison abolitionist i know you've long you've long said we should get rid of prisons in slow motion, that stomp looked really bad. But I didn't think it was as bad as it looked in that slow motion. Um, I did show it to a couple people today who are not basketball fans, and they were like, what the hell? They're, he was just trying to get away from like the guy grabbing his ankle. And so it was like people who didn't know that like the context of who Draymond Green was and showing it to them, they're like, oh, that just seems like a guy trying to escape uh, uh, a benign ankle grab. And so and then if I you do listen think to like Draymond Green's personality factored in majorly to every all of the subsequent decision making. Yeah. And if you want to say that's fair, he has to live with it. He's done all these things in the past. Like, OK. But I, I just. I don't like and and they said in the press release that it was due they, they factored in, in his part history, to his yeah. his history yeah um and I I just have it's poppycock the, Jay I can yeah it's poppycock no, I, you can I understand say it. why you would weigh in his history but at the same time you have to judge each circumstance as its own incident and in well, this that, case you literally just said you just said two op- opposing things 
you but, factor and in now the history, but you, you judge each thing's individually. You have you have rewarded Demontis Sabonis for grabbing someone else's ankle. And if you listen to all the NBA players or former NBA players speaking up on this, I haven't heard one that's really like gone in hard on Draymond. I have heard people say that like kind of defend him a little bit. Like Shaq, Shaq was a little over the top. Uh, but this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Like, Damian Lillard thought he was just trying to get out of the ankle grab. Um, and I think that was a huge part of it. Like, if your ankle is being grabbed, you're just trying to get out of it. So, I don't know. It was I know, I'm, it's just a lot I for me. I agree with you. Honestly, like, people have been all over me on Twitter. This is, like, the most passionate I've ever seen people on Twitter. Over oh, it's feisty suspension. mode. I think... People just want it like if it started with the ban the charge talk, like people got very upset about that. Now people are very upset about stomping. Now they're gonna be upset about the suspension. I agree with you. I don't think like the history of the individual should factor at all into the subsequent punishment because you know what? Draymond Green has been punished for all of those previous acts. And so the idea that like he deserves more punishment. Like that's going to act as some sort of deterrent goes against all basic science and understanding of deterrence. And I can say that with the one Ivy League degree I actually do have in criminology. <laughs> uh, so it's like he's already factored that in. And any basic like theories of criminal law, you should only be punished for the infraction in which uh, led to kind of the the punishment. And so it should be directly tied to the stomping, which was unprovoked it was an act in self-defense free draymond green at this point like it's <laughs> the uh, the more i've thought about it it's actually absurd that he got suspended uh i'm surprised you landed on this side of things well as soon as i started thinking about it in a criminal justice lens i was like yes draymond green has been railroaded by the prosecutor who uh, the judge jury and executioner adam silver and it's been entirely unfair and we need justice for Draymond. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I'm glad you convinced <laughs> but me of I, this I am. 
I am very much looking forward to game three of that series now because it is going to be like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson know exactly how much that game means to this team. They know exactly how much they're going to get tested without their team's best defender, the best facilitator outside of Steph on the team. And nobody in this era of basketball has, or at least the last decade of basketball, has consistently risen to a challenge like those guys. But they've never even faced this challenge because they've never been down 0-2 in the history of these Warriors. Yeah, and the last time that Draymond got suspended in a series... (laughs) They wilted. (laughs) Wasn't exactly the best for them. But I do think... This is setting up for like an a potential all time Steph and Clay moment if they rise to this, and I think there's a very good chance they do just because the competitors that those guys are, the 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 fabric that they have. I just think this is going to be an awesome, awesome game. And then if they win, and Draymond comes back and it's two one, <laughs> you don't want to be Sacramento. <laughs> you don't. No. You don't. So they better win game three. If they don't win game Everyone three. Everyone should be rooting for the Warriors in game three. If you're just a fan of like basketball drama, like that becomes a so much more of an interesting series. Uh, if the Warriors can pull out yeah. game three and then Draymond comes back in game four, possibly ties the series. It's just, I feel like I want every other series other than the Celtics to go seven games just because it becomes a lot more interesting. And then the other piece of this, and maybe you can say it it shouldn't factor into a decision, but this this could realistically be the last run for this Warriors team. Oh, that shouldn't count factor into the decision whatsoever. Say he threw like a vicious elbow and like, oh, a, we can't suspend gr- him because it was like... End that's of the fair. Warriors. That's fair. But if if their suspension was in line with what they've normally done, then I would agree with it. Jay but King wants just, consistency from the bench. This just feels like a a weird time to up the punishment and judicial activism. Yeah, I'm with you, Jay. We need we need so, reform now. I don't know. So th- I, I wanted to just talk about that rationally. Because I know a lot of people disagree with me, which is fine, but it seems better to to just discuss it in a calm fashion on the podcast rather than just having people scream at me on Twitter all day. So are you saying that me screaming platitudes at you right now isn't the, the form you wanted to discuss it in? No, I, I like when you do that, actually. Okay, cool. Well, um, along those lines, I'd have to say... Thank you guys for listening. I guess we'll be back tomorrow. (laughs) 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.